Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 311 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Lovely to have you back on. What have you been up to in the past few weeks? The past few weeks, I've kept up on a few things I've wanted to see that I've sort of left by the wayside for a while. Starting with, I watched Batman The Long Halloween, parts one and two. They released within a week of each other as digital releases. They are DC animated feature-length movies. They adapt the story of Batman The Long Halloween. (laughs) Yes. Um, Which is like, I think it's a 13 episode comic run. It follows Batman and his search for a serial killer in Gotham. Yes. I know the books very well. The books were fantastic. Jim Sale was the artist and Jeff Loeb were the uh, writer on them. And they're they're very well known, well respected comic book run that was. So what's the animation like? The animation is pretty good. It's both an impressive voice cast with Jensen Ackles, Naya Rivera in her last role, Josh Duhamel, Billy Burke, David Damastian, who's everywhere at the moment, Troy Baker, and even Jack Quaid appears in the first one. And it's broken up into two parts, which are basically a year each, because that's how... So the first, I know, five, six months of the event, and then for things that you'll still understand why, there's a bit of a time jump at the beginning of the second half. And yes, it's an interesting story. It feels very sort of batman I don't know, maybe year one and a half. Mm-hmm. He's not the Batman that we're all used to. He's not a master detective. He's not as prepared as he often appears in other shows, especially in like more of the team up animations that he appears in. So we see him like losing in fistfights to various things, not being prepared for certain villains like signature moves. Yeah. Very much finding himself. And he's not that much of a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because the sort of central thing revolves around him, Jim Gordon, and Harvey Dent, district attorney. Yeah. And their fight against the mob, which is run by Carmine, the Roman Falcone. Yeah. And it goes from that sort of brooding noir, and then it goes off into this um, serial killer thing, all the while where we have other well-known villains sort of circling around the story. Mm -hmm. That definitely makes things more interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a great story. It is a sort of about this serial killer, and that's sort of tied in with this thing with the Falcone family. And um, it's a great shame they've never 
never done this in live action because I, I think it's a wonderful story. It is a really interesting cast, though. I mean, Jensen doing Batman. You've got Justin Elm doing Harvey Dent. Billy Burke doing Commissioner Gordon, which I'd love to see that in live action, actually, because I think that's a great bit of casting. Troy Baker doing the voice for Joker, David Dashmalian as Calendar Man, uh, Titus Welliver playing Carmel Falcone, Jack Wade playing Alberto Falcone, John DiMaggio as Mad Hatter, Katie Sackoff as Poison Ivy. Yeah, it's it's a really, really solid cast they pulled together for that. I think they could pull that off in live action just as well. So I don't watch that many of the DC animated things, but I know they're generally considered where DC are actually going right as opposed to a lot of their live action stuff where they're not yeah I think that's the nicest way of putting it yes. um, but yeah definitely it really works obviously I don't know how the comics are but I think you know halfway into the first film you know who's done it because you just, you just look at things you're going well there's no reason for them to keep hinting one way and oh yeah it's definitely that person which I didn't find out I was right at the end but yes it's still a great story when you find out the background yeesh it's pretty awful mm-hmm. and you can see the place like Gotham you can understand why someone ends up going to the those depths yeah so obviously everything is so heightened in gotham it was a fun watch and the fact it was released in two parts i think that was quite good because it's, it is or because a serial killer kills on holidays it makes the fact that it's split into two much easier to deal with because there's only so many american holidays yes so by making it last over a year and splitting things up it makes it a lot more believable yeah a lot yeah. more interesting so yeah it's great yeah you write about it sort of being Batman one and a half as well because the comic books were very much designed to be a sort of unofficial follow on to Frank Miller's Batman year one they work as a set if you read the Batman year one comic book and then go on to the long Halloween books they work very much together as a set I feel like there's probably more things combined in here than in the comic but I think they work out because it has two faces yeah. origin in this it has a Catwoman story rolled into this as well mm-hmm. yeah it was great so I would recommend it so next on my part I finally got around to watching Happy Death Day to you because <laughs> I was a big fan of Happy Death Day yes and I figured I, figured I would take the plunge and Happy Death Day to you is very interesting in that it's not a sequel has much of an interesting continuation and changing of genre because it becomes a sci-fi right. whilst holding on to some of the horror because basically the second one explains why she's reliving her day ah okay so we find out why that is it was a fun ride I don't think it flows as well as the first one did because obviously you, you understand what you're seeing a lot better now but what it does is it brings back all the characters who were in the first one who we didn't really learn anything about the people outside of her and her love interest. Right. But in this one, nearly all the characters who we see around the edges sort of get pulled into the story and yeah. we learn them a lot more about them and their motivations. Right. We also get pulled into things like alternate universes. Oh, which interesting. Which are all the rage right now. So, yeah. Yes. It was unexpected. It definitely kept me interested. In, and after I watched it, it made me go and research about whether there would be a Happy Death Day 3 and it's sort of like there's only a small chance of it unfortunately I'm just looking up the Wikipedia article for it it does say that there is a third film called Happy Death Day to Us in active yeah. development and the second one grossed 64 million against a 9 million budget so 
That's yeah, not, that's not bad going. It's just because there hadn't been anything for a while, and the director basically said there was a chance of it fairly recently. So maybe I guess the end of 2019, probably he said there was a only an okay chance of it happening. Mm-hmm. I think without COVID, it probably wouldn't have been a problem. But I think because of COVID, it makes yes. it makes things a little bit more interesting and about whether or not it would happen. I guess that pushes the production budget up as well. So yeah, maybe that is an issue now. But it would be a shame. Yeah, it would be great to see it. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. The Happy Dep Day, the first one, is quite funny. And there are certain things, like apparently, there's an alternate ending for Happy Death Day, which you could sort of see the effect of in Happy Death Day to you. Okay. I can't say I can't say anything more than that. Interesting. So, yep, yeah, so the next thing I'll watch, another film, which is quite rare for me to watch three films within a two-week period, to be honest, <laughs> is Boss Level, which was originally a Hulu film, so only available in America, but Amazon acquired it, and so now it's on Amazon Prime for free. As you, see, you can see it on the front page when you log into your Amazon Prime page. Right, yes. And, strangely enough, this revolves around a guy who keeps living the same day. <laughs> yes, I... Keep on catching trailers for this. It keeps on popping up. So basically, this is a retired Special Forces person who is trapped in a never-ending time loop on the day of his death. And the film does an interesting thing where it starts well into it. So I think he mentions it's been like at least a dozen times or so before we join him. And he sort of talks about how his day works. It's just fun. It's got Frank Grillo yeah. um, in the main role, who I remember as the star of The Gates or The those years ago which was a fantasy show that only lasted for a season which right. is amazing it had like so many interesting actors in it he's just pretty well known to the action genre mcu as well he was in he was in oh yeah uh, he was yeah he was yeah crossbones captain america movies and stuff so he's estranged or divorced from his wife he doesn't really know his son, but in the midst of trying to get to know him before this whole death loop thing started, mm-hmm. we watch him go through things and he eventually resolves to start investigating and figuring out why it is right. that he is repeating the same day. And he links it to this army general or someone played by Mel Gibson, right. who his ex-wife happens to work for. Through that, we eventually get the whole story sort of revealed. So as well as Frank Grillo and Mel Gibson in the cast, we've got Naomi Watts as the ex-wife. And we have Michelle Yeoh in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. And it's silly, it's fun, pure blockbuster. Because <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer for it ages ago when Hulu released it. And since then, I have really just been waiting for it to get over here. Yes. And it finally did. And I, as soon as I saw it, I went, yep. Yeah, I should take a look at that because it sounds like a sort of fun... It's a lot of fun. ...silly movie. And I like those sort of time loop movies. They're quite good fun. So uh, I will look that one out at some point, definitely. So the next thing is another one that comes straight from Amazon Prime grabbing stuff. And it is Cruel Summer. Yes. Which was a huge show over on Freeform earlier this year. Describe it as a psychological thriller that falls two young women. Kate, the popular girl with the charmed life who one day was missing, and Jeanette, the nerdy wannabe who is accused of being connected to Kate's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a few things you need to get at the front. It's based in the 90s. Right. Which is important. Based in a small town in Texas. It's 10 episodes, and the show itself has three timelines. 
and they are more or less parallel over three years. So I think it's like 94, 95, and 96. And the episodes will flow between those. So the first two episodes, you're going to be all over the place as you get used to like the tints that they use. Right. And all the little hints they do to keep you knowing where you are. <laughs> we start off really following this nerdy girl with her two friends. And they sort of resolve this summer's going to be different. Then we meet bit by bit Kate, the popular girl. And as we pop forward into 95 and the 96, we find out that at some point Kate gets kidnapped. Right. We also know is that she does return. So you find that out within the first episode. And basically the rest of the episodes are finding out how Jeanette, who's a nerdy girl, is connected and just really getting your teeth sunk into everything. It's an amazing show. It will blow you away. It's just a really interesting mystery. And then with the ad in the 90s and the sort of small town politics of things, it just sort of matches up all the tension. So it works pretty well. It's got Olivia Holt from Cloak and Dagger yeah. and Kiao Aurelia, who plays Jeanette, who I saw in like one other thing, but it was a very small role. And then other teen actors who you recognise. And Harley Quinn. What's her full name? Harley Quinn Smith. Is that full name? Yes. yes. Harley Quinn Smith. Daughter of Kevin Smith, the uh, director. She stars in it as well as the major role. And it's difficult to talk about this because it gets so intricate and it's all about the main central premise, which I'd rather you see from the first episode not have me explain to you. Yes. The other name that popped out at me in this cast list was Michael yeah. Landis, who is yeah. probably well known for being the original Jimmy Olsen on uh, the Lois yeah. and Clark series. Yeah, so he plays Jeanette's father. That was an interesting... I have a feeling may have interviewed him at some point, but there's some interesting names in that cast. I saw it come up and I didn't really know much about it and there's so many things around at the moment I hadn't managed to fit it in, but given yeah. that you're saying it's a really solid show, I, I will go and uh, give that one a try, I think, at some point. It's pure mystery and intrigue, even though it's just around two teenagers girl but because the stakes are quite high because obviously it's dealing with the kidnapping and that aftermath yeah so all the shows that Freeform has been pretty good at bringing out regularly now it's already been renewed as far as I know yes it has second season already be interested to see what happens in that second season mm -hmm. if you like that sort of thing just know it's one of those shows that carries a lot of warnings in terms of trauma and things like that so not for the faint-hearted I guess would be the yes. best way to put it definitely one I will go and check out given your review of it I think final thing is much like everybody else i watched marvel's what if the first three episodes we talked a little bit about this matt really liked the first one didn't like the second one as much because there's now third one out so i really like the third one as well if you got any particular favorites out of the I, yeah i really like the first one i didn't like the second one and I really like the third one. So I'll put the third one just slightly below the first one. Interesting. Just because I think the second one felt way too much like wish fulfillment. It didn't feel like an actual story. Mm. I found it very hard to accept those things. Whereas I could find it much easier, I guess, to accept what happens with Captain Carter. Maybe because I've already watched Agent Carter. So I know very well what sort of person she is over two seasons of her show. And I guess I don't really know that much about the Guardians. But the whole Thanos thing is just ridiculous. Come on now. 
<laughs> but I rather like the way that they were playing around with that. I like that in the second episode. I love Captain Carter as a character, as I said last week. It's a great character. I would like to see more of her. Hayley Atwell is wonderful. It will be great if that character does pop up somewhere in live action mm-hmm. later on. I felt the animation narratively wasn't as well constructed in that first episode as the second and third episodes were. I think the stories were better in the second and third episode than that first episode, which felt a bit more like it was jumping around a lot more. I I know what you mean about the sort of conceit of T'Challa being the one that was sort of accidentally kidnapped and then become Star-Lord. That made less sense. I didn't have a problem with that. I I had more of a problem of how after that point, how everything sort of unfolded in like the best possible light. So things like him managing to talk Thanos out of something that he dedicated his entire life to. That's the thing that, that's the thing that made me sort of go, no, I can't take this seriously. And how everything falls into their hands. It just didn't feel like a real story. Dr. Carter felt like a real story. And the serial killer of the Avengers felt like a real story and an interesting story. Yeah, I rather like that. I know it's pushing the boundaries with that second episode, but I like the fact that it was sort of slightly funnier and sillier. And I quite like the Thanos stuff. The entire premise of the fact that T'Challa in that role would just be much better at being Star-Lord than Peter would have been. I find that quite a funny premise and uh, that's why I rather like that one. I just think the narrative in the first one wasn't as well formed as it was in the second and third episodes but I really liked the third episode as well I thought that was a really interesting well-formed story so I don't know and the great thing about this is because they're anthology things it doesn't matter if you're not as keen on one episode because there's another episode which is going to have a completely different story coming along so you Mm -hmm. know it's fine if people like different things although they do sort of say that there's going to be connections back to the first few episodes as it goes on Okay, just on the last time that we'll be seeing some of these characters yes no I'm sure that is it'll be interesting to see where it goes as it moves through. Yep, so that's all from me. Sticking with the Marvel stuff, there was, of course, the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. We talked a little bit last week because the leak had only come out at that point. And then the next day, before we actually put the podcast out, the actual proper trailer dropped. I rather like the look of this. I think this is looking like it's going to be quite a fun film and confirms a bunch of the characters. We don't get any confirmation about the other Spider-Men showing up, but given villains from the other Spider-Men seem to be represented in that trailer it rather looks like that will be the case despite the fact that they've been denying it but i'm really excited for seeing what they do with this because this is the first live action thing after loki that's going to be playing around with the multiverse stuff which i i rather like anything particularly you're looking forward to see well no i've my twitter is locked down with mutes at the moment so i haven't seen the trailer i've seen a lot of stills because it's impossible to dodge stills yes um, there does seem to be a discussion that they might be pushing Spider-Man back. Yeah, I've seen some discussion about that. I'm not convinced that will necessarily happen, but we'll have to see what happens with the pandemic and whether that makes them change their mind. We don't know yet. Mm. But hopefully it's coming out before the end of the year. That was certainly the plan. And as we said before, it's difficult with those schedules to move them around too much because they have to line up with the Oh yeah, well, I think the idea was that they would move everything back 
because it wouldn't really hurt them if they did that, would it? Yeah. It's all about getting as far away from the pandemic as possible. So if they had to shift everything back by three months, as they've already done, I think they'd probably do it again. Yeah, maybe. But we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully they don't and things stay where they are. Yeah. But I really like seeing the full version of that trailer. I think they've done a really nice job with it. In terms of things that I've been playing and watching, Psychonauts 2 came out this week. I've actually completed it. The overall story is about 20 hours long. Um, there is a whole bunch of other things you can do in there. I've not, like I say, I completed it. I've not got like every single collectible. I'm not Matt. Uh, so I've not gone through and done like absolutely every little bit and piece in there. But the overall story, it's wonderfully fun. I was a huge fan of the original Psychonauts game. It revolves around this character called Raz, who's the same character you play in the first game. It's pretty much a direct continuation. It feels very much like the first game as well, which given the the original game came out in 2005 there's been quite a gap between the two of them I actually was so excited for this when they announced it they crowdfunded it and I was one of the backers for the original crowdfunding as well it's a continuation of the story the psychonauts are these group of people that have powerful psychic abilities and, and use their psi powers to be able to kind of manipulate the world around them but also jump inside other people's minds so a lot of the gameplay takes place inside the minds of some of the characters and some people are dealing with various mental illnesses and issues so you've got to kind of untangle how their mind has been messed up it's really interesting to see how they handle that the second story pretty much picks up after the first where they've gone away on this mission with the psychonauts they've come back and uh, the first game was about him in sort of training the second game he's basically become an intern at the psychonauts and there is something that's not quite right and he's got to try and figure out what the issue is and there is a mole in the psychonauts that's threatening to do damage and stuff really really enjoyable the graphics are beautiful it's got a very distinctive art style to it the gameplay is fun and challenging enough to be mildly frustrating at times but not in a bad way it's it's a sort of platformer and you kind of need that to a certain an extent it's not like if you get killed or wiped out it doesn't set you back too far for you not to be able to sort of jump back into it again they balanced it very very well beautiful to look at the voices are great it's got wonderful wonderful humor in it it's very funny it's once again written by tim schaefer who if you're a gaming nerd you'll know that name but he's the person that was behind things like uh, the monkey island series full throttle grim frandango they the tentacle a whole bunch of other games and it's from Double Fine which is the company that he set up after Lucasfilm went away as a as that sort of games company and he's has a wonderful sense of humour if you've ever played any of the Monkey Island games you know what I mean I love his work this is another fantastic piece if you like the first Psychonauts game you can actually get the first Psychonauts game on Steam for relatively cheap and it is actually stands up pretty well it is actually worth going and playing through that and then playing through the sequel because it works 
quite well together so uh, i would heartily recommend that it's available on steam on pc it's available on consoles as well so uh, go and find it and play through it if you want a really interesting decent platformer with a really great story it's well well worth playing through I also watched a film this week. I watched Wonder Woman 84. It's not good, I think is probably fair. <laughs> I was about to say, why would you do that? Because I hadn't seen it and it was available for free on Sky Cinema because I've got Sky Cinema. So I thought, well, I'll take a look. I'm kind of amazed at how much they managed to screw this up compared to how well they did with the first mm. one. Once you start reading about the production and what happened, it's sort of like, oh, this makes total sense. I can understand why this happened. Right. Okay. Because it literally gave more power to the director and everybody who sort of held back her tendencies in the first one left. Ah. That's what began. That's the result. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Because it just goes horribly off the rails. The entire premise of it is not great. Essentially, Essentially, the idea behind it is you've got Wonder Woman, it's in the 80s, you've got Max Lord, there is a MacGuffin that grants wishes, and Max gets hold of the MacGuffin and basically makes a wish that he becomes or takes the power of the MacGuffin into himself and has the ability himself to grant wishes the downside of people receiving wishes is it also takes something back off you so it means that although he can grant wishes he then is able to take something away from you wonder woman makes the wish to bring back her boyfriend just doesn't really sit well with me at all she's supposed to be this big strong amazon warrior and she's weakened literally by a guy doesn't sit well with me as this entire premise and i mean the whole setup to it and the way that they brought Steve Trevor back seemed incredibly unnecessary. I think there was a better way through the story. The internal logic of it doesn't quite work because you've got Kirsten Wig in there as Chitara, but she initially wishes for something different and then she's on a plane with Max Lord and you're only supposed to get one wish and Max goes, oh go on, I'm feeling generous. Do you want to know the wish? And that's the wish that she gets that turns her into Chitara. And you're like, hang on a minute you've set this up all the way through saying you get one wish and he's just randomly given her another one just not very well written didn't work for me really really didn't work for me at all i I don't know whether they're planning on making any more of these but patty jenkins got a lot of credit for that first movie and if this is what she does when they give her more power i really hope they find a different director if they do make a third yeah i can remember just hearing the initial sorts of responses is what put me off deciding to watch it for me the whole premise of just having one woman in that time for no apparent reason just seemed yes a strange choice so i felt like okay that's a strange choice you need, you're gonna need to sell this on me and then what i heard afterwards definitely did not sell me on it which is why i gave it a miss that is the other thing of course as well is there is no reason for it being 1984 yeah, it, literally, literally, the only reason I really know about thing is because the guy who gets body jacked by Steve is a pretty well-known Hallmark actor, and his Hallmark show is one of my favourites. Just right. because I looked, and, oh, it's him. Now you mention it, that's actually very true. There really is zero reason for it being in 1984. The thing that Max is sort of trying to make money out of in the first place is an oil company, and you're like, that could really have been pretty 
pretty much any time period. There is a sort of, you know, the greed is good kind of thing, which is sort of Max's character is kind of the embodiment of, which is kind of 80s, I guess. But there was no real specific reason for it being set in that time period that you couldn't have done it at some other point. And yeah, they play around with some 80s stuff, like some 80s fashion and things, which make for some fun, funny little bits and pieces. But I don't know. The whole thing seems just badly written, ill-conceived, overindulgent, just not very well put together. Definitely a skip for me. As I say, it's up on Sky Cinema now for free, so you can go and watch it, but not one that I would rush back to see. Speaking of seeing things, C returned to Apple TV this week as well. So that's back for its second season. Really enjoyed the opening episode of that. You get introduced to Dave Batista as Jason Momoa's brother in the show. C is set in this sort of post-apocalyptic future world where everybody is blind apart from a couple of children. I love the way that they set up the styling of it. The first season was fantastic. At the end of the first season, one of the children gets kidnapped and it turns out the person that's kidnapped him is the brother of Jason Momoa's character, Boba Voss, and the brother is called Edo Voss, and it's played by Dave Batista. and it's just really, really well put together. I forget quite how visceral this series is, but it Mm. really, really reminds you in the opening, like, two minutes of the uh, opening second episode, it's really, really violent. I mean, there's some pretty hideous sword fighting stuff that goes on in that opening moment. It's written by Jonathan Troper, who, if you know that name, he's the person that wrote Banshee and also is responsible for Warrior, the TV show as well. So uh, that gives you the kind of idea of the level of violence that there is on the series it's absolutely solid really enjoyed the opening episode very much looking forward to seeing the rest of that that's on apple tv plus so go and check that out the other thing i watched this week is vigil which is a new show on bbc it's in that high quality bbc sunday night drama slot the basic premise for it is there is a death on a submarine and a trawler that goes missing around about the same time in the same sort of area. And because they're in British water, they are forced to bring on board the police to investigate it rather than the let the British Royal Navy handle it themselves. They airlift Saran Jones, who's playing a detective chief inspector, onto the sub and she quickly starts to realise that this death, which appears to be an overdose, might actually have been a murder. It's a very interesting premise. The opening of it draws you in pretty much straight away. It's got a superb cast. It's Saran Jones, Rose Leslie is in there. It's got the lovely Patterson Joseph, who well, we've interviewed before. He's a really nice guy. He's in there. There's a really great supporting cast as well. So it's one of those BBC Sunday night dramas in the vein of things like Bodyguard that they do so, so well and sits in that slot. And yeah, police procedural essentially on a submarine, which is not something you see every day. And so I I just thought that was a really interesting setup. I would highly recommend going and uh, catching that. It's actually the first episode went out on Sunday, so he's on iPlayer. The second episode goes out on Monday night, so it will be out by the time you uh, see this. And then the third episode is due out next Sunday. Definitely one to go and keep an eye on. Really, really worth going to watch. And the other thing that 
I watched this week is on Amazon and we talked oh, yeah. about it a little bit. It's called Kevin Can F Himself and it is a really interesting premise for a show. It basically looks on the surface like one of those standard multicam CBS sitcoms with husband and wife, husband's an idiot, always got crazy schemes, wife is very much the long-suffering wife. They've got standard sort of sitcom setup, except every time the wife is left alone, it reverts from being this sort of standard sitcom multicom to being a very dark single camera comedy. The bright, shiny sitcom world fades into this sort of something that looks almost a bit more like something like Breaking Bad. And it's her actually dealing with what it would be like to live with a husband like that and discover the things that he has done behind her back and how that would affect her life if it was more of a real situation and what she decides to do about it. So it ends up bouncing backwards and forwards. I had heard a fair deal about that, about how interesting that premise is. I've definitely spent a lot of my life watching those sorts of shows where people just do some things that would in reality be absolutely awful if you had to deal with the real fallout of even like your family guys and your American dads. So it's interesting, but I don't know if I would necessarily want to watch it. It's an interesting idea or question to be asked and I'm glad that it's um, being made. I'm not sure if I would watch it now at this point. I think probably because I've got over the idea of those sorts of comedies so I don't know if that would be interesting to me in actual fact I would say it is worth a watch it's odd getting used to it to start off with because you do get this jarring jump from one to the other and it's a little difficult initially just sort of getting settled with that but after the first episode once you've got used to the premise it actually works really really well it's very even in terms of how they handle it. In actual fact, they probably tilt slightly more into her single camera story over the sitcom side of things. It's just a very intriguing premise and the wider story is incredibly well written and she calls out a lot of those things that you mentioned about the fact that, like you say, you know, they'd be awful in real life and she starts to call that stuff out, but she only calls it out outside of the kind of sitcom setting. So I'm really intrigued to see where they end this season because it's only eight episodes long. They're about 45 minutes each. The entire first season is up on Amazon Prime right now, so I'm about halfway through. I was unsure about it after the first episode, but I thought I'll give the second episode a go and really, really just finds its groove and very interesting and different and definitely interested to see what they actually finished this season on and whether they play around with that format a bit more. So I would say it is worth certainly looking up, but uh, that's called Kevin Can F Himself if you want to go and look that up and it's on Amazon Prime. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. TV and film news this week starts off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups as usual. Two cancellations. Betty, which was the skateboarder comedy, which I think we ran on Sky Comedy over here. It's HBO. That's been cancelled after two seasons. Intergalactic, I think, comes as a surprise properly to nobody that Sky have decided to cancel that sci-fi show after one season. Really didn't find its feet, didn't find the numbers. I quite enjoyed the idea of it to start off with, but I don't think they managed to make it work what slightly annoyed me is i saw somebody from sky making the comment of like yeah we didn't really find the numbers british accent sci-fi is quite a difficult sell it's like well no no it isn't just write a decent story for it and throw more money at it make it work it's it's nothing to do with the fact that it's made by british people for goodness sake that's the wrong thing to take away from it that's network sex for you you know yeah well well, yeah the pub doesn't like female fronted stuff no you wrote something rubbish try yeah. again yeah. God knows you tried enough times with males exactly I think there was an interesting concept and an interesting premise there I just don't think they landed it unfortunately it's a shame not so much for Intergalactic more that this will be another thing they point out and go yeah. oh well British sci-fi doesn't work not in this day and age against the American stuff and you're like no I think, it's, I think it's a hard thing to sort of balance is that obviously Sky while it does great numbers is still a very much a specialist network Mm -hmm. so you have to throw a lot more money at something like that to get someone interested in something in sci-fi that they have no buy-in to as a completely original piece of work yeah that's the problem it's like you can't be cheap on it you gotta throw all that money in to launch something yeah that's very true and i mean that is also a fair point as well you look at the stuff that's out there right now an awful lot of the sci-fi that we're getting at the moment is stuff that's based on a established yep, work. Absolutely. We've got stuff coming based on Isaac Asimov stuff. You've got things like The Expanse, which is based on a novel series. You yeah, know, so a, a lot of the stuff that's out there is based on established work. Yeah, original IP is an incredibly hard sell. So I will, I will congratulate them for making the attempt, at least. Yes. Dropping that money. But I think probably what you would look to do there is probably have... If you're going to invest in IPs, make sure you have those back-end deals so you know it goes straight to Netflix afterwards or it goes straight to somewhere in America. Anything to make sure that it sort of pays for itself. I mean, because I don't think anybody would, for instance, say that Beauty and the Beast and the CW was a masterpiece. <laughs> they had those back-end deals. It was making money hand over fist. They could afford to keep renewing it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, Intergalactic did go out in America because it went out on Peacock, but then that's more of an internal deal for Sky. Yeah, you know, yeah, the- yeah Peacock's even less mass appeal to the sky, the sky so exactly I hope somebody tries something again and like you say hats off for them to actually trying it because it's been a long time since anybody's tried a sort of original IP out and out sci-fi but yeah hopefully this doesn't completely kill anybody else trying it anytime soon in terms of renewals the big one of course that was announced this week Manifest has been saved by Netflix for a fourth and final season it will be 20 episodes split into 10 and 10 as Netflix 10 
tend to do. Miracles still happen. Yes, they do. How they managed to pull that. Well, it basically sounds like, as we've said before, we heard a few weeks ago that both Netflix and NBC had gone back to WBTV, who make it, and were discussing the possibility of bringing it back. According to reports, and we can't verify this, but NBC were offering a 12-episode final season, but were also insisting that WBTV reduced some of their rates and also that they allowed them to have some sort of streaming deal with it on Peacock as well. Then Netflix came along and said, we'll give you 20 episodes for a final season. We'll actually give you a million more per episode to make it and we'll allow you to up the fees for all the cast because all the cast are out of contract, of course, at the moment. So they've got to get all the cast back, most of which they seem to have managed to have done. There is the guy that plays Zeke. I think he's on a pilot on NBC at the moment. So they may have to work around that, but everybody else looks like they're probably going to be signing on. So it's all moving forward. NBC basically lost out because Netflix offered more money by the sounds of it. The only thing that WBTV needed to do as part of that was make sure that Netflix could get the global rights to it. So any existing contracts WBTV need to buy out in terms of the global markets, which apparently is what they agreed to do. So all the first three seasons, the plan is, assuming this what we're reading from them is true, is in most of the global markets, the first three seasons will move on to Netflix and then and the fourth season will be a Netflix exclusive. That seems to be what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So we know he had a six season arc planned out, but yeah. he's got 20 episodes to play around with now. Yeah. So whilst it's not exactly what he wanted, that's still it's pretty, pretty good. That's pretty darn close. Yeah. Given that it had been cancelled, that's a massive step up. And I'm sure there's enough that he can cut out that yeah, can run that through. So uh, I'm very, very happy that they managed to do that. And, uh, you know, and he's been out online thanking the fans because they were a lot of Save Manifest things. People watching it on Netflix and keeping it in the Netflix top 10 in the US has made a huge difference as well. So that's awesome news. And, uh, you know, because it ended on a great cliffhanger on season three. And uh, I'd, yes, I'd be very sorry if that wasn't coming back. So I'm glad they've picked that up. Also on Netflix, Cobra Kai renewed for a fifth season before the fourth season is even aired, which is fantastic news as well. So uh, that will be coming back. That's pretty wild because that's also a saved season, yes. saved series. And that's become a huge hit for Netflix. So uh, that's great. And that's going to be returning for a fifth season. So that's fantastic. Kevin can F himself, as we were talking about earlier, that has been renewed for a second season by AMC, who are the people that make it in the US. Run the World, which airs on Stars Play in the UK and Stars in the US, that's been renewed for a second season Flatbush Misdemeanors which is a comedy airing on Sky Comedy over here uh, Showtime in the US that's been renewed for a second season Surprise Renewal Your Honour is coming back for a second season which is the Brian Cranston series which was billed as a limited series but they liked it so much they've decided they're making another one so um, that is going to be returning for a second season I've got that saved on my Skybox and I haven't started watching it yet and I do love Brian Cranston so um, great that's coming back I've that was 
really surprising because that was like a self-contained story as far as I'm aware for the first season. That's wonderful that they've renewed that. They've obviously decided they've got another story they can tell with that. Most Dangerous Game has been renewed for a second season by Roku. That was one of the old Quibi shows that they saved. That is going to be coming back. Different lead actor Christoph Waltz is returning in the uh, the one role. The basic premise of it is people are offered money to be the prey yeah. in a uh, manhunt across the city, essentially, is the, the idea. So people pay exorbitant amounts of money to be able to hunt a human across a city. The first season ended with the guy either escaping or being killed. I don't want to give anything away. The second season will have a new kind of prey in there with Christoph Waltz, who was the kind of games master coming back and person that ropes another person in. So uh, I'm looking forward to that coming back because that was a really, really good first season. I mean, I say season, it's a quibby show, so they're like 10 episodes of 10 minutes each. So it's fairly short, but still well, well worth watching. And you can go and get the first season on Roku along with a bunch of the other quibby shows as well, which Roku channel is available on Sky and on Now Boxes. Not if you've got a Now subscription, but it's available on Now Boxes if you want to go and uh, try that out. And of course, a bunch of other places as well. And Motherland Fort Salem, that has been renewed for a third and final season by Freakform. They have announced, I know you're a fan of this show, aren't you? Yeah, I would say it's probably the best fantasy show on TV right now. It's a very good show. Just seeing how the creator talks about it and like how long he's had the idea and has been working to try and get it out there, as was revealed in Comic-Con at Home, that way back at that first one. Right, yes. There's a a, uh, Motherland Fort Salem panel the show to finish a few weeks beforehand. Great to see that it's going to get a third and final season go out on its own steam. I can't think of any other sort of like fantasy shows I've seen recently that are written as well and have as interesting characters or as a ritual world. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I watched... Did you watch I, the, the double-sized pilot? Yeah, I think I yeah, watched the pilot and then didn't manage to get back to it because I, I always forget things are on iPlayer. So I haven't actually gone back to it, but it was really interesting. And it is an interesting premise for it. I mean, the the idea that the Salem witches survived and are now recruited into the army, I, I think is a really interesting kind of opening premise for the thing. I'm glad that it's got to end on its own terms. I think that... That's great news. And I will try and watch through the rest of that first season because I've heard a lot of good things about it. And I know people were very happy that that got renewed again. So, uh, yeah, that is good news. A couple of advanced things and pickups and stuff for you. At Star Trek Day, they have announced, will be on the 8th of September, Wednesday, the 8th of September, from 5.30pm in uh, America, which is basically 1.30am in the UK on Thursday mm-hmm. morning. So unless you're a really dedicated fan, you're probably not going to watch the this live but there will be some announcements of um, new things coming up they're covering all the different Star Trek shows I'm sure there'll be trailers and other bits and pieces dropping out from that and they've got panels with actors from across from the original series right up to Discovery and Picard and all that sort of stuff so I'm sure there'll be dates and things coming out of that but Wednesday the 8th of September or if you're in the UK Thursday morning at 1.30am that's starting the 
videos are going out live on StarTrek.com forward slash day, but they will be then dropped onto Paramount Plus's YouTube channel later on. So you should be able to go and find them on YouTube. And I'm sure we'll have news up and stuff about those as well. If you want to go and check those out on Thursday, once you get out of bed, there's another streaming event as well. Netflix's Tudum virtual streaming event, which I love that they use that as the name because it's uh, named after the uh, yeah, Netflix Tudum intro oh, okay. thing. That's the idea. That is going to be a streaming event covering a whole load of original Netflix shows. That's on Saturday, the 25th of September at the far more reasonable time of 5pm in the UK. It's 9am in the US. That is going to be something that you can sit down and watch. And that's going to be everything from like, you know, Stranger Things, The Witcher, a lot of the original Netflix content, basically. Because they did The Witcher event, which was obviously all just Witcher stuff. But that's going to, if you've got a favourite show on Netflix and it's a Netflix original show, the chances are there might be something in there for you. So they're basically covering everything for that. And that's going to be like a really long event. So I guess the uh, Katie Sackhoff will probably be mentioned there because getting pretty close to when that should come out. Yes, yeah, I'm sure. Um, what was it? Another Life? Another, another Life. Wolf. Yes, Another Life. That was all right. I enjoyed the first season of that. It sort of bounced around all over the place in terms of yeah. where it was aiming for things. But I right, enjoyed that. That was quite good fun. You can find that on Netflix's YouTube channels. It's also going to be streamed onto Twitter and onto Twitch as well. So you'll be able to go and find that live stream all over the place on Netflix. A couple of advanced air dates. Morning Show got an air date. That's the 17th of September on Apple TV globally. I'm very much looking forward to that coming back. Young Rock has an air date in the UK as well. That's 17th of September at 8pm on Sky Comedy. Mr. Mayor, which is the Ted Danson Tina Fates, the people behind 30 Rock behind it, that is arriving on the 25th of September, that's on Sky Comedy as well. And For Life has advanced air dates as well. That's 27th of September for season two. And unfortunately, the final season as well, because there was some talk about maybe IMDb TV picking it up for a third season, but that's not going to happen. So it is dead and done at two seasons, unfortunately. But For Life got a second season coming. That's on the 27th of September. A couple of other things is now today as well. The problem with Jon Stewart, which is Jon Stewart's return to satirical political discourse, that is coming on the 30th of September to Apple TV Plus globally. And You Season 3 has got an air date as well. That's on the 15th of October on Netflix. That is landing. So that's it's usually December that. So that's a bit earlier than usual. A couple of other bigger news stories. Game of Thrones star Jacob Anderson has has landed in the cast of AMC's Interview with a Vampire. Uh, he will be playing Louis, which if you know the Interview with the Vampire books, Louis is kind of one of the key characters in the Interview with the Vampire original novel. He is the 18th century French colonial aristocrat who's basically turned into the world's whiniest vampire by Lestat, who is played by Sam Reed. And it's his story, basically, the original interview with the vampire jacob anderson you might not realize the name but he played gray worm in game of thrones he's also reappeared in things like episodes and Broadchurch and um the mimic he's uh, he's got a new character coming on to doctor who quite a big character called vinda they revealed that he's going to be in the next season of doctor who as well do, do you do the um amrai stuff i don't know what, how you are 
set with vampires and all that sort of stuff. I haven't read any other stuff. Obviously, I've watched Interview the Vampire, but it sounds interesting enough. I think it's probably worth trying. As we mentioned the last couple of weeks, AMC now have the rights to the Mayfair Witches and all the Vampire Chronicles. So they are oh. building a Anne Rice verse over there, basically. It's looking, I think, for something that can replace The Walking Dead when The Walking Dead eventually completely dies out. This is sort of their next big thing and that they have rights to absolutely everything in terms of the Vampire Chronicles and the Mayfair Witches. So they've got a Mayfair Witches series in development. They've got this in development as well. This is definitely going to series. The Mayfair Witches will go to series eventually, but whether it's with the writers that they have currently signed, we don't know. Sky have decided they're going back into the 80s. They've ordered a TV show called A Town Called Malice from a man called Nick Love, who uh, you may not recognise the name, but he was one of the people behind Bulletproof, which is a series that we don't really talk about these days. Tanko Malice follows the Lords, a crime family of petty thieves from South London who have fallen onto the bottom of the criminal food chain and they're not happy about it. Gene Lord is the youngest son of the clan, overlooked and neglected by his family, who fails to recognise his killer instinct and keen intellect. After narrowly surviving a gangland battle, Gene and his formidable girlfriend Cindy flee to Spain to evade arrest. The lovers quickly find themselves embroiled in a local underworld and trouble starts to follow these two like night after day. When the other lords join them on the Costa del Sol, the family realises that this is a golden opportunity to reinvent themselves and recapture their former glory, much to the annoyance of Jean and Cindy, who have a very different plan. This is an operatic and high-octane thriller and a musical love letter to the 80s filled with romance, obsession, violence, deceit, swagger and high camp, they're saying. (laughs) Sounds like it's going to be a fun kind of 80s crime thriller thing set on the Costa del Sol. I don't know, it could be quite good fun i think that maybe yeah it sounds interesting feels a love like grand theft auto vice city yes that's my feeling of it as well grand theft auto vice city kind of set in spain with a sort of british twist i'm kind of interested in this i think this could be quite good fun nick loves a very talented kind of writer i mean to say he was involved in bulletproof in terms of sort of writing and setting that up unfortunately obviously that show had to go by the wayside so i'm glad that he's back with something else you know i think 80s nostalgia is quite big at the moment so i think that's an interesting take on it and finally the flash season eight is going to kick off with a five-part armageddon event it's not a crossover they'll be very clear about that it just feels like a crossover but it's not a crossover what they're basically doing this year is rather than doing a full-blown crossover there is a five-part event which is going to sit entirely within the flash so we don't have the issue of like we had last time of like one episode going to be on batwoman one episode going to be you know we're not going to have that which is great for the uk audience because it'll all be in one place it's a five-parter event which kicks off and sees a powerful alien threat arrive on earth under mysterious circumstances barry iris and the rest of the flash team are pushed to their limits in a desperate battle to save the world but with time running out and the fate of humanity at stake flash and his companions will need to enlist the help from some old friends if the forces of good are to prevail so the old friends include brandon routh who is back as ray Palmer aka the atom Yvanka leslie who's coming across from batwoman chris williams who is from black lightning chyla lee who is playing sentinel cat mcnamara who is back as mere queen and ostrich shao who is playing ryan cho in the show as well so 
I do wonder whether they're actually going to use this as an opportunity to pass the atom mantle across, maybe. Yeah. Given that so. they're both in there, I, that would make sense. They've also announced that Tom Kavanagh is going to be back as Earbud Thorn, as aka Reverse Flash, and Neil McDonough is back as Damien Dark as well. They don't say whether Kavanagh is also going to be playing Harrison Wells or not, but they've just mentioned him as Earbud Thorn. But I mean, you know, Wells is there, I'm sure they'll find some other uses for him that's usually the way i quite like the idea of this i think this is this is an interesting way of doing it they've kind of got enough characters kicking around at this point that you can do that because obviously black lightning has ended brandon rath is no longer involved they decided not to move forward with the green arrow thing so you know picking up mere queen i think is interesting and it's a shame that they hadn't done more with ryan Choi. so if they do use this as a sort of handover thing i think that would be quite good and it also stops it being such a massive headache because they were always a pain to shoot those things logistically because they involved everybody from like all the different shows. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've basically only got Chyla from uh, Super. Well, no, because uh, well, Chyla's actually, already no, finished. Yes, yeah, that's true. Everybody actually. on here is on a show that doesn't even doesn't exist is already finished. Apart from Batwoman. Apart from Javita Leslie. Yeah, so Batwoman. Batwoman is the only one actually out of this list who isn't currently on a show which I think is, is a good way of doing it they've got enough spare characters kicking around that you can do that at this point so why not I mean there's rumours flying around that this may be the final season of The Flash we don't know that for a fact I'm sure the CW will keep making it for as long as they want to but I mean eight seasons is um, that makes it the longest running one so far doesn't it I think out of all the Arrowverse shows when do it ties with Arrow yeah, was Arrow 8 or was Arrow 7? I couldn't remember. We'll see whether it lasts after this, but at least that's kind of quite a nice big event thing for them to go out on if they start off with that. I think that's, that's you know, I'm glad they're back to doing it and they found a way of doing it. That's quite good fun. The Arrowverse, as we said before, seems to have lost its way a little bit and I, I think they need to rejig things a little. I think it's over now with the competing interests and the need for DC to establish their own film universes. I think it's all but finished now. It- it does feel a bit like... Yeah, Arrow finished in season eight. Ah, right, okay. So yes, it will match with Arrow. It does feel a little bit at this point like they did with the sort of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the other Marvel TV unit. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like this stuff is being treated and maybe a little bit like that and they maybe want to get rid of this and move all the DC TV stuff across onto HBO Max because they've got yeah. other things they're working on there. So it'll be interesting interesting to see where this goes you know superman not mentioned here at all and he's been treated very very separately as is stargirl so yep. you know we'll see i'm happy they're doing a crossover again for this i think that's gonna be a fun way of kicking off the eighth season yeah i think so i think also the sheer fact that it lasts for five episodes makes me think that they're sort of looking to end things yeah quite that's, that's quite a lot even for flash it's like 22 episodes that's generally how long they run that's a lot of episodes yeah that is quite a lot of episodes to pull out I suppose they're looking at it from the point of view as it's not that much more expensive for them to do this necessarily than it would be to get a bunch of guest stars in. Yeah. Structurally, from their point of view, it actually isn't that much of an issue to you know, yeah. to pull something like this together. And it gives fans, a you know, it's like, oh, it's that character, you know. So this is makes quite a sensible way of doing it, I think. That's all the news we've got for this week. We've just got some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> 
So, highlights for next week on TV. Uh, Shameless USA returns for its 10th season on Netflix. That's on the 1st of September. That will be back. Grand Designs is back for its 21st season. That's on Channel 4. That's on the 1st of September at 9pm. That lands. Code 404 returns for its second season. This is very polarizing, this show, because people are like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen, or this was the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's moved from Sky One to Sky Comedy. That's on the 1st of September at 10 p.m. That is back. That's the Stephen Graham and Daniel Mays show about two top detectives and one of them dies and is replaced by an AI. Late Night Mash lands on Dave. That's on the 2nd of September at 10 p.m. This is basically the Mash report from BBC Two, but under a different name and on Dave instead. That's Late Night Mash. That's on the 2nd of September on Dave at 10 p.m. Grandchester, for all your ecclesiastical crime-solving needs, that returns on ITV on the 3rd of September at 9 p.m. Silent Witness is back for its 24th season. That's on BBC One on the 6th of September at 9 p.m. Evil returns to Alibi for season two. That is on the 6th of September at 9 p.m. as well. The Brokenwood Mysteries, which is the New Zealand detective drama, that's back on Drama Channel, and that's for season seven on the 6th of September at 8pm. And Supergirl, which has been off for a few weeks, that returns for the second half of season six. That's on the 7th of September at 8pm, and that will be on Sky Max, because Sky One is no longer around at that point, and all the DC shows are going on to Sky Max. So you can find it there. And that is everything we have for this week. Um, if they want to find more of your stuff, Daryl, where can they find you? They can find me over at HollywoodNorthNews.net for all your Canadian film and TV needs. You can also find me writing articles on that hashtag show from time to time. Those are sort of two places you can track me down. So go and check out Daryl over there. For um, other people involved on the show, you can, of course, find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org with lots of podcasts going on over there including The Walking Dead which returned this week so I haven't mentioned it here but we are doing full episode reviews over with entertainmenttalk.org so go and check The Walking Dead stuff out over there The Walking Dead UK podcast Bex you can find at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S she's streaming daily and various evenings lots of retro gaming go and see her sitting in a box and making bad jokes and uh, just being generous really hilarious always worth going to see Bex over there that's twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites for us you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.